Amen. It's so good to see you this morning, and thanks for being here. Thanks for worshiping with us. Thanks for singing so loud. I get so moved whenever I hear God's people worshiping Jesus in this place together. But hopefully you got your Bible with you. Go ahead and grab your Bible. And we're starting week three of our series called Fan the Flame this week. And so you can open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 7 today. I want to welcome those of you who are worshiping from home with us or from distant lands. I wish I could see your lovely face today. Sorry you have to look at mine, Uh, but thanks for uh, prioritizing the gathering of God's people with us. Today is a good day, all right? Today is all about receiving the operation, the goal, the mission as believers of Jesus Christ. Today is all about armoring up as soldiers. Today we're putting in the sweat equity that comes with following Christ, being unashamed of our testimony and fanning into flame our gifts and ability to move this message forward, okay? Uh, If you'll remember last week, Paul was writing young Timothy from his prison in Rome awaiting his execution for following Jesus Christ. And Paul exhorted Timothy, hey, remember the power of the gospel and remain in the power of the gospel by trusting in your security of heaven, by deepening your doctrine and guarding that deposit of God's word in your life and by finding gospel partners that you can do life with, that can refresh you, that will stand with you whenever the going gets tough. And I talked to several people who were convicted last week about you know, fanning into flame their boldness in the workplace and letting people know where they stand with Jesus. That's awesome. I talked to several who were convicted um, who said, you know what, I need to better understand the Bible And I need to start committing scripture to memory so that I know where to go whenever I receive a question or something like that. That's great. And I recounted with another brother who said how important it is to dial in the specific truths and power of the gospel for the purpose of preaching it to ourselves every single day. All of those things are so great. Keep doing those things. We are disciples. We're learners. As apprentices to Jesus, we should be becoming more like Jesus every single day as we open his word and apply it to our lives. But listen, none of those things, those are great things. None of those things are solely for our own good. We're going to see today that when you became a follower of Jesus, you were enlisted into a war zone with a specific operation. And that operation is to make disciples of all nations, teaching them all, all, teaching them all that Christ has commanded. To teach someone all that Christ has commanded is a long game. It requires hard work and endurance. There's really no shortcuts So today, we're armoring up, we're soldiering up for the battle, for the mission that's ahead. Everything in chapter one, whenever Paul is exhorting Timothy to fan his flame and his ability to be bold and unashamed of his testimony, it's really so that Timothy could get ready to attack the goal of the mission that is set before him, ultimately that is set before every one of us as believers of Jesus Christ. So before I get too excited and preach the whole thing, Why don't we get our eyes on a copy of God's word in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 and let's just allow his holy word to wash over us this morning. Now hear the word of the Lord. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete does not get crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we need understanding this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit within us. Would you enlighten our hearts and our eyes to see and to understand your truth, to better understand the mission that you have called each and every one of your children to. God, by the power of your spirit, would you move and would you convict and would you change us this day by the power of your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So this is our text that we're going to look at today. And Paul, he kind of breaks it up for Timothy in three ways. So we're going to, I'll break, I broke it up for you in three ways. The first thing is this. We're going to first look at the power for the mission. Okay. The power for the mission. Check it out in verse one. It says, you then my child be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul begins to get into the details of what will accompany the mission ahead after Timothy has fanned his flame. If you're going to get put on a mission, if you're going into a war zone, you need some artillery. You need some weaponry to back you up. And Paul's like, Timothy, you're not going to have to do this alone. So let me talk to you about the power for the mission that is before every believer. He says, you then, referring back to everything he said in chapter one, because of the power of the gospel, Timothy, because of the commissioning that was given to you when we laid hands on you, because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control, and because you're committed to guarding the good deposit of God's word in your life and not becoming defective like so many others, because of all of those things, ready yourself for the mission that's ahead of you. Just assume that Paul is talking to all of us today. He's obviously writing to Timothy, but God's word is speaking to us, followers of Christ today. And so we got to ask this question, how are we to ready ourselves for the mission that is ahead, for the mission that we are on as believers? Well, let's look in the text. Verse one, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The mission that is ahead is going to require great strength. And it's gotta be strength that only comes from God. This can't be done in your own strength, Timothy. I believe in your gift. I believe in your ability to teach. I've seen you at your best. I've seen you at your boldest. But if you do it in your own strength, you've got nothing but God has supernatural strength for you today. Some of you just need to hear that this morning. Because if you're honest, like you've been struggling and toiling and working really, really hard in your own strength. And if you're honest today, you're kind of tired. You're kind of exhausted. 
you're kind of weary. You're sort of like, where is God and why is he not showing up in my midst or showing up for me? It could be the parent here today who's trying so hard to produce obedience in a son or daughter who just doesn't seem to care about anything. And so you work overtime trying to get that child to obey, trying to produce obedience in that child. And then it starts to produce things in you that are so not like the heart of God because you're doing it in your own strength. It could be the young adult here today trying to find direction and purpose in this life. Like you're praying and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a great person. I'm trying to check all the right boxes. I'm trying to go to all the right places, but where's God and why is he not showing up? And can't I just catch a break? Perhaps you're trying to earn God's love because you've never experienced an earthly love that has made you feel any type of worth at all. I don't know what you're striving with, what you're struggling after, what you're enduring in your own strength today, but everything we're talking about is really when Paul says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, it's really just the principle of abiding that we've talked about all year long. Remember, Pastor Trent used the analogy that we're just sticks. A stick that's not attached to a life source is just a dead branch on the ground. Those things get thrown into the fire. We don't need, that. there's nothing, no point in those. And yet if a stick is attached to the life source, fruit and life and abundance can flow from it. John 15 says it this way, just as a branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in Christ. So look at, look at the text in verse one. You then, my child, it says, be strengthened. Interesting, the word for be strengthened in the Greek is actually a passive present. It's in the passive present tense. So now you're like, why is this guy trying to give me an English lesson? Just hold, hold tight for a sec. It's in the passive present tense. So what that means is when a verb is passive, it means that the subject of the verb is receiving the action, not doing it. Okay, so Paul's not like, Timothy, you got to pump up, bro. Like you got to get in the gym and strengthen yourself because you're going into the battlefield. So you got to be ready for this. You got to be strong for this. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you need to receive strength. And because it's passive present, it's not something that happened in Paul's past one time. It's something that continually happens. Thus, Paul's saying, Timothy, you need to be constantly be receiving strength from the power of grace. God is the strengthener and we are the recipients. That's so against our, our, our human nature. Like we are prone to powering up. We are prone to trying to do things in our own strength, aren't we? It's so easy to forget grace. But Paul says, be strengthened, how? By the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The mission ahead, it's going to take great effort, Timothy, but don't forget grace. The mission ahead is gonna take great endurance on your part, but never forget grace. Timothy, 
your fan and your flame, your boldness. You gotta be unashamed of your testimony. You gotta be bold for the faith that is before you. And you gotta soldier up for the mission that you're about to receive, but never forget grace. Never forget grace. My wife and I recounted this week even just how easily we forget grace. How easily we can forget that God has the power to change. God has the power to reveal. God has the power to lead us. And when we forget those things, we walk down a path of hurt and disappointment and anxiety because we forgot that what we need is grace and we can't accomplish it in our own strength. So let's talk about grace. What has grace done? What has grace done? You remember the power of the gospel last week. Well, grace is attached to the power of the gospel. It is the power. Grace has called you. Grace has saved you. Grace gave you a holy calling. Grace changed your destination. And so some of you may be saying this, man, how do I get grace? How do I get that grace? And I would take you to Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine that says, by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is a gift of God, not of works, not of my works, not of my strength, or I would boast. You see what scripture says? Not of works, lest any man would boast. You can't strengthen yourself. And so you got to ask this question, how does grace do the strengthening? Grace is indeed an undeserved gift as the scripture Ephesians 2 said. And so you receive a gift. It's an undeserved favor, but grace is also a power. Grace has the power to make you alive. Grace is the power that continually strengthens those that are tethered to Christ abiding in divine it's a power and Paul, he talks about that power in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Listen, Paul writes, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. You're gonna have to work. You're gonna have to endure. You're gonna have to put forth effort, but never forget grace. Timothy, look to Christ and trust that because of Christ, you will have all that you need. Gospel City Church, look to Christ today and trust that he would never require anything of you that he is not willing to give you the strength for. Remain in his grace and draw strength from the source of power that is in Christ. So let me ask, are you convinced that you are nothing without the grace of God? Are you convinced of that this morning? Anybody? Yeah, a couple head nods, two guys. Yeah, that's good. Are you convinced that uh, you can work and strive all you want in your own strength, but if you don't have grace, you don't have anything? You convinced of that? You got it? You're, you're nothing without grace. So now that you get that, now it's time to get to work. All right, now it's time to put forth the effort. This isn't like I just remain in grace and sit on that truth and feel good about my faith. No, you gotta put effort forth in the Christian life. Every day is a chance to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Every day is an opportunity to receive power from his grace that gives us the desire to put forth the effort that is required 
for the goal of the mission that's before us. That's number two. Paul goes into the goal of the mission that's before us. Let's check it out in verse two. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The goal of the mission that Timothy is on is one of moving the teachings of Christ forward through faithful men and ultimately their families. The goal of every follower of Christ this side of heaven is one of multiplication. It's making disciples. Timothy, Paul says, when you became a follower of Christ, you enlisted into the Lord's army. And from here unto death, you're on a mission to make faithful disciples by the power of the grace of God that's in you. And our goal should be the same. Perhaps the best indicator the scripture that we can look at for the goal of this mission is summed up in verse one when Paul calls Timothy, my child. Look back at verse one. He says, you then, my child. Think about the implications of Paul calling Timothy his child. Paul's not just barking orders at this kid, all right? Paul's not a coach trying to get performance out of Timothy. Paul loved Timothy like a son. Think about that. Paul had formed a bond with Timothy. Paul had taken his time with Timothy. Paul probably answered the same question time and time and time again with Timothy. Paul probably suffered with Timothy and been comforted by Timothy and prayed with and for Timothy, just as some of you probably have done with your own children or maybe your parents did with you. Paul's goal was to be a spiritual father to many and to see his spiritual children carry the goal of multiplication for the sake of the gospel onward from generation to generation. And you see the fruition of that in the text. Look at the verse. It says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul is kind of like a first generation Christian. Paul didn't invent the faith. Paul didn't invent the Bible. He received his orders from the Lord. He meets Jesus on the road to Damascus by the power of the Holy Spirit that's put within him. Paul begins to be enlightened to the truth of God's word. And he starts to understand the deep doctrine and theology that's rooted in God's word. And that's deposited into his life. And he starts to guard it. But then he passed it on to Timothy. He taught Timothy everything. He walked through all of it with Timothy, reproducing himself in young Timothy so that, continue to read, what you have heard from me, Timothy, in the presence of many witnesses, start to entrust to faithful men. The reason that Paul reproduced himself in Timothy was so that Timothy could then reproduce himself in faithful men and it goes even further, who will then be able to teach others also. Discipleship is keeping strong links in the chain of faith going forward by teaching all that Christ commanded. To teach someone everything about what Christ has commanded, that is a hard job. Reproducing a faithful disciple who won't fall away when the going gets tough, when the heat gets turned up, that is a hard job job. And if we are called to make strong links in the chain by the power of his grace, then we got to put in the work. Because when, when, when the tension of this life turns up, 
We don't want links in the chain that break away. We want links that can hold so that they can pass it on to the next generation. And so how do we do that? Verse two, Paul exhorts Timothy, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. That's what you're entrusting to faithful men. So what had Timothy heard from Paul? Paul refers to it all the time, but back in chapter one, verse 14, Paul said the good deposit. Paul refers to what Timothy had heard from him as the good deposit, this deep doctrinal truth that's down in your heart that you're guarding. You gotta guard that and you gotta measure everything to the word of God. Don't let anything in there that doesn't match up with the word of God and anything that does, you keep and you pass on. In verse 13, he says, follow the pattern of sound words, the whole healthy, right, and true words of scripture. That is what you submit yourself to as a follower of Christ. That is what you submit yourself to as a disciple maker on the mission that Christ has called you to. There's other places that Paul refers to uh, what Timothy would have heard from him. In Romans 6, verse 17 and 18, Paul refers to it as the standard of teaching. He says this, but thanks be to God that you who once were slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. There's a standard of teaching that should be accompanied in the word of God. In Acts 20, 26 and 27, Paul says, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So he refers to it as the whole counsel of God's word. Listen, there's a reason that I'm at a church like Gospel City Church. There's a reason that your elders lead and shepherd a church like Gospel City Church. Hopefully there's a reason that you're at a church like Gospel City Church because we have a standard of teaching that's consistent with the whole counsel of God's word. I pray that it is. If it ever isn't, go find another church because the words that are here, like, like going verse by verse isn't just something that we prefer. It's a conviction because it forces us to deal with the hard things in scripture that we don't always wanna deal with. There's things in this book that would be way easier to leave out whenever we're trying to form a disciple. But can you make a faithful disciple a strong link in the chain by leaving pieces of scripture out, by leaving hard truths out? Absolutely not. By the power of his grace, our eyes are enlightened to see all of the truth that can be deposited into our hearts and to form faithful disciples for his glory. Paul's commissioning Timothy to pass on the whole truths of Christ's commands to them who will then pass on the whole truths of Christ's commands and so on and so forth. Christians teaching God's word and passing it down generationally. And this is really something that has to form our thinking as followers of Christ. Our reason for being on this earth is the goal of this mission. Yes, we are called to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The chief end of man is to worship God. But we're also called to love our neighbor as ourself. And when you start to look in the face of God and be formed by God through the worship of God, it should give you a motivation that the world needs to know about this truth that has changed your life. And so we get on a mission of glorifying God and making disciples. 
Yes, we need to engage the lost. Yes, we need to evangelize them. But, but hear me say this. Uh, a lot of people are like, man, I, I was convicted. I got to fan my flame and let people know where I stand with Jesus. Let people know that I'm a Christian in the workplace. That is awesome. Keep doing that. More people need to do that. But, but hear this, evangelism is not discipleship. Evangelism is not this mission of discipleship. You letting your lost neighbor or coworker know where you stand with Jesus is not, not completing the goal of the mission that Christ has called you to. You need to do that, but that, and that's maybe one step toward the mission, but that's not the hard work. Really, that's the least that we can do in relation to all that Christ has done for us. So be careful not to pat yourself on the back when you've identified with Jesus in a lost world. That's the least we can do. We should be motivated to like do that and then find faithful people who would ask questions so that we can equip them and ultimately establish them in the faith so that they can then equip others and establish them in the faith. You, you, you get it. So the common question is probably this. Well, I don't have what it takes to be a spiritual mother or father to someone. Like, I, I don't think I can teach doctrine to somebody because I, I, I barely know doctrine on my own. How am I supposed to be faithful to the goal of the mission that Christ has called me to? Isn't that just for pastors and super spiritual people? I'll say two things. Indeed, the ability to guard the faith and pass it on implies that you know the faith. So some of us can just get honest and say, I haven't been a very good student of God's word. I've come to church, I've received this message, this message of grace in my life, but Monday through Saturday, I'm not too interested in digging deep into God's word. I'm not too interested in understanding doctrine for the purpose of passing it on to others. Hopefully, you can identify a Paul type figure in your life. Like, do you have someone that you can call and say, hey, I've been digging in God's word. Can I run a few questions by you? Like, I need to know about this or about this. Hey, somebody approached me about this situation. I was wondering what you thought or somebody that can call you up and say, hey man, let me challenge your thinking for a minute. Let me redirect you a little bit in your walk with Jesus Christ. Do you have someone like that? You may need to find somebody like that. Our small group leaders are great people who want to disciple others. That's a great place to start. But... Just as much as you need a Paul type figure in your life, everybody needs a Timothy type figure, a younger person that you can pour into, that you can start to disciple, that you can start to help put on a path so that they might have a good deposit and guard a deposit for the sake of passing it onward. And get this, this should be encouraging to you. You do not need a PhD to tell somebody about Jesus and walk them through the truths of the Bible. That should be encouraging to some of you. One of the best ways to learn as a disciple is to teach others to be a disciple. You will become a deeper disciple of Jesus as you try to help somebody else become a deeper disciple about Jesus. Disciples are at their best when they're discipling others. That's so true. Because as I'm trying to help my brother learn about the Trinity, 
Do I know everything about the Trinity? No, I definitely don't know everything. But when I'm starting to help my brother learn about the Trinity, it kind of produces a hunger in me to go and want to read a little more about the Trinity. And I want to start figuring out the deeper truths of Scripture for the purpose of delivering an answer to my brother or sister in Christ who needs to hear it, who needs to know it, who's hungry for it. And it starts to give me a supernatural hunger by the power of his grace so that I can do it, so I can make disciples. So this, like I said, has to form our thinking. Mom or dad, God didn't just make you a parent. You are a disciple maker in Christ Jesus. So your breakfast table is no longer a breakfast table. It's a war zone for discipleship. And so when you're sitting down to breakfast, you're opening the Bible and you're reading some truths of scripture and on your heart is like, I'm gonna teach these kids about Jesus no matter what. And Rice Krispies are flying everywhere and milk everywhere and bad attitudes everywhere. It's a war zone. But by the power of the grace of God and by your persistent endurance, one night when you're tucking your children into bed, you're gonna get a question like, dad, mom, is heaven for real? Is hell real? Did Jesus really die on the cross for my sins? And those questions will come. And, and I'll tell you what, I have botched giving the gospel to my like seven year old and down so many times and my wife has come to my rescue and she simplified the truth of the gospel in such a beautiful way so that my four year old can understand how much Jesus loves them. And I stand back and say, oh, I think I'm, I think I'm becoming a disciple as my wife is giving the gospel to my four-year-old and I'm beginning to understand the gospel in a way that God requires of me having child like faith like that of a little child. Isn't that incredible how God does that? So business owner, you, know, you don't just own a business. You're a disciple maker to your employees. Students here today, you're not just trying to get through high school. You're not just trying to make it on a sports team and have lots of friends. You're an undercover disciple maker. Are there gonna be a lot of people who come with you? Definitely not. Let them know where you stand with Jesus Christ and the few, the couple who might have a question, the few that might see Jesus in you and desire what you might have, start to equip them and lead them and establish them in the faith and with the power of the grace of God that is in you, you can be faithful to the goal of the mission that God sets before you. Car salesman, you're not off the chain. You're a disciple maker. But as you already know, this is not an easy mission. Achieving this goal takes hard work and dedication. Don't grow weary in doing good, okay? But Paul, as he exhorts Timothy, he says, don't forget grace, that's your power. But now you gotta put forth some effort. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. Grace and effort go hand in hand, okay? So check this out. The third thing that Paul gives to Timothy is this, the mindset on the mission. That's the third point, the mindset on the mission. Okay, you've got the orders. You've got what you gotta do. Now let's check out the mindset that you're gonna have to have if you're going to be faithful to this mission. Look in verse three and four. Paul writes to Timothy, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier 
gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Why does Paul exhort Timothy once again to share in suffering? Is it because the world's hard and it's broken and you're gonna face lots of hard things in this life and loss? I mean, those things are true, but ultimately what Paul's saying here is, hey, Timothy, when, when, when you became a follower of Christ, you were put on a mission of making disciples and enlisted into a war zone of hardship, disappointment, endurance, and one that will require extreme focus. That's what it's like to be a disciple maker in the Lord's army. And he says, no good soldier or be like, a good, be like a good soldier and share in the suffering of Christ Jesus. No good soldier signs up for a war without understanding the cost of that war. Notice I said good. A good soldier has wrestled with the idea of laying down their life for another. There are people in our congregation who have gone to the military, who have served our country in incredible ways. And I promise you, I've talked to several of them. They have wrestled with the idea of laying down their lives for you. No good soldier would sign up without understanding the cost. Well, in the early 90s, there was this offer by some of the military branches to pay for your college if you enrolled or enlisted in, in the military. And there was a kind of an influx of people signing up. Well, then when our country went to war, people kind of raised up their hands like, whoa, I didn't sign up for that. I, like, I, I'm not going to war. You know, like they were in it. They, they, were, they got in it for their own gain. They got in it for their own benefit. They were like Hermogenes and Phygelus who were like, hey, Paul, I'm all about this. I'm in this. And then when the heat got turned up, when Paul got arrested, they're like, oh, I'm out. That's inconvenient for me. That's not the kind of Christian that we want to be, right? That's not what God has called us to. So in verse four, he says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. A good soldier isn't distracted by the argument over here or the chaos that's happening over here. A good soldier has his eyes locked and loaded on the goal of the mission that has been set before them. They have impeccable focus. I've heard people in the military say, chaos breeds chaos. Like if I'm gonna freak out, everyone's probably gonna freak out. But if I can just keep my focus, my brothers and sisters who are fighting with me can keep their focus as well. A soldier never loses his focus. And as they stay committed to accomplishing the goal, they know that they are pleasing their commander and chief. And the ultimate commander in chief is Jesus Christ, who for the mission that was set before him, he endured the cross and now he's called us to pick up our cross and to follow him and to teach them all that he has commanded. Paul goes on to give another example. He talks about the athlete. He could have used so many ways to describe an athlete. Look what, what he says. He says an athlete in verse five is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So the greatest athletes of our day, they have their eye on the prize. They don't lose the eye of the tiger, as they say in Rocky. 
They have strict training regiments. They have impeccable discipline. They play like they practice and they practice hard. But what Paul's getting at is this, the true and greatest athlete never cuts corners, never breaks the rules, never gets the glory without the integrity that goes with it. So Timothy, you've got to run this race with endurance and know that there's not an easy way to victory. It's a long race. It's a 10 round fight. It's going into extra innings. But if you'll remain in the power of God's grace and keep your eye on the prize, you'll get the ultimate crown, the crown of life. Can you make a faithful disciple by cutting corners, taking the easy way out, extracting the hard things of scripture and putting them over here so that you don't have to deal with it? No, the whole counsel of God the endurance, the commitment, the practice, the answering of questions, the digging deep over and over and over again with time builds faithful disciples. Do you have someone that you're doing that with? Paul gives another example, verse six. It is the hard working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Paul tells Timothy, you gotta have the mindset of a soldier, gotta have the mindset of an athlete. Also, have the mindset of a hard working farmer. Is there any other kind of farmer? I, I haven't met too many lazy farmers. Think about what a farmer does. A farmer gets up early. A farmer patiently waters and nurtures and guides his crops. A farmer tills the land. A farmer sows the seeds. A farmer remains constant in the mundane year after year after year after year. They endure the unpredictable weather, the dry season, the rainy season, the abundant season. And at the end of the day, the farmer has food to eat. You don't work, you don't eat. You don't sow, you won't reap. And if you get lazy, you'll have nothing to show for your efforts in the end. We gotta be faithful to the goal of the mission that God has put before us and it requires a specific kind of mindset. That's what Paul's trying to get at. I want you to look at verse seven as we close. And this is why I love Paul. He says, think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything, everything. Timothy, think, think over, think over what I say. Think, think, think. Why do you think Paul says that? Because, man, we are so prone to forget the power of the grace of God that's necessary. That's what he's saying. The Lord's going to give you understanding by the power of his grace to do these things. But here's how we typically read this as human beings. We say, oh, yeah, I'll be like the soldier. I'll be like the athlete. I'll be like the farmer. I'm going to power up. I'm going to kill this thing for Jesus. I'm going to make disciples. And we start to do it in our own strength real quickly. And before long, we forget, oh, wait, the crown for the athlete and the pleasing our commander in chief and the first fruits of the crop, those things aren't dependent on my effort. I mean, they, they gotta be a little bit, but I can't do that in my own strength. I gotta have the grace of God. And when I remain in the power of the grace of God, it actually forms my life and shapes my life so that I can give the effort to run this race with endurance and know that the victory lies in his grace in heaven and I can please the one who has enlisted me. 
Paul's like, I've tried to be the farmer and the athlete and the soldier in my own strength more than anyone. And I've come up empty. Never forget grace as you endure and as you strive to make disciples on the mission of multiplication. Before you check out, I came across this story that I wanted to share with you. In August of 1941, FDR left the East Coast and uh, he jumped on the presidential yacht. Maybe you didn't know we had one of those. It was called the Potomac. He gets on the yacht, he goes up north above Canada and everyone thought he was going on a 10-day fishing trip. The American people weren't too happy about the president doing a 10-day fishing trip, go figure. And uh, he gets up there. In the middle of the night, they snuck FDR off of the Potomac and they snuck him onto the USS Augustus to meet Winston Churchill for four days. Churchill was making an appeal to FDR for America to get involved or Germany was going to swallow up Europe. And it was at that meeting, those four days of meeting, that the, the Atlantic Charter was formed and signed. And uh, on August 6th, it was a Sunday, the second day that they were meeting, Winston Churchill invited FDR onto the Prince of Wales, which was the British battleship. He says, come on to my battleship. I've prepared a church service for us so that we could worship together. Winston Churchill said this. If, he, he knew that if we could use the same language and sing the same hymns, we could be on the same mission. So they get on the battleship and they hear from God's word and they sing together. They went back and finished their four day meeting. And when FDR left the USS Augustus, got back on the Potomac, he said to his cabinet and his people, if nothing else happened while we were here, that joint service cemented us to fight against the monster that is Hitler. And the song that Winston Churchill chose to close that service was Onward Christian Soldiers. And you gotta hear the words to Onward Christian Soldiers. It said this, this is how they closed that worship service that day. Onward Christian Soldiers, marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ the royal master leads against the foe forward into battle, see his banner go. Like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided, all one body. We, one in hope and doctrine, one in charity. Crowns and thrones may perish. Kingdoms rise and wane. But the church of Jesus constant will remain. Gates of hell can never against the church prevail. We have Christ's own promise and that cannot ever fail. Come on, stand to your feet. Bow your heads. And even in this moment, as you have your heart and hands open to the Lord, ask yourself, confess to the Lord where you have been striving in your own strength, in your own power, and forgetting to lean and rely and draw strength from the power that only comes from the grace of God.
maybe you're convicted today to say, I need to be a better disciple. Lord, would you deposit and begin to deposit into my life? Would you give me a supernatural hunger for your word that I might hide it in my heart, that I might learn it, that I might know it so that I could pass it on? Some of you know the struggle of this battle because you're on it and you're enduring and you've been disappointed in people that you've poured into and took time with and they've turned their back on you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Make disciples to the end of the earth, to the end of your days by the power of the grace of God. Lord, we come and we acknowledge our need for you. And God, we're at all different places in our spiritual journey, our spiritual walks, and yet we're all learners of Jesus who fall so short of your glory. And Lord, we thank you for the power of the gospel that would call us children of God. As we sang, you came to a world you created and you traded your crown for a cross and you washed our feet and you served us when we were lost. Oh God, how grateful we are, how thankful we are for the power of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. So Lord, would you allow it to move us onto mission? God, would you allow us to fan into flame our ability to carry what you've already entrusted to us, this glorious truth of the gospel. Would you give us hunger to know more, to learn more, to dig deeper? And God, would you give us boldness to carry it across the street and to our children and to our coworkers and to our classmates? And God, would you open up opportunities for us to not only share where we stand with Jesus, but to begin to engage and equip and establish others in the faith so that they might carry it onward to the ends of the earth, teaching all that you have commanded. God, we want to endure. God, we want to put forth that effort. But help us, Lord, never to forget grace. May we never forget your grace. Oh, for grace to trust you more. In Jesus' name we pray.